from Bentonville, the epicenter of retail's hometown, it's the Supplier Community Podcast, giving you 24-7 access to a community of emerging and experienced thought leaders in the retail space. Enjoy the show. Safety. It's always a huge concern for any business, and especially in a retail environment. Now more than ever, retailers, suppliers, and individuals are needing to be planning to protect themselves from violence and crime. Joining us today is Eric White of Brosnan Risk Consultants with his message and tips regarding safety and security in the retail environment. Eric, what is your message for retailers and their supplier teams? Yeah, thank you. Uh, I wanted to spend a few minutes today talking about a, a trend that Um, is unfortunate, but a reality in retail and actually in most workplaces around the country. And that is the trend of escalating violent encounters in the workplace. Uh, In retail specifically, there are a number of contributing factors as to why you're seeing an increase in violent encounters uh, and violent crime in retail. Um, And and they vary from the uh, organized retail crime which is continuing to increase uh, groups of people that intentionally, uh, they, they really they make a living by stealing from retailers, but their acts are becoming more and more violent uh, as retailers encounter them. And that trend has been uh, consistent and escalating for the last decade. And really the back half of the last decade has seen what you would call a dramatic increase. And you dig down into the reasons why Uh, retailers are experiencing more violence inside and around their stores. And uh, it really stems from the bad guys themselves. Um, uh, People who traditionally were shoplifters um, didn't have a tendency to commit a violent act. Uh, But as you see the decriminalization of uh, property theft around the U.S., legislators aren't doing retailers any favor favors as they make uh, retail crime less and less uh, impactful for those that commit it, um, you're seeing an increase in violence there. There's a migration of, uh, historically, someone may have dealt drugs, uh, but now they see a value in stealing property from retailers and reselling it on the black market. And they also see there's fewer penalties if they happen to get caught uh, stealing property. And when you hear things about states reducing the felony amount uh, for, a, for an act of shoplifting, uh, those are really warning signs for retailers. Uh, someone can come into your store and steal $1,500 worth of merchandise. That's a significant impact, um, but yet the criminal justice system is calling that less than a felony. And so that uh, enhances the, the desire of the criminal element to take part in that crime uh, because the penalties are less. Um, But that same group of people, those same criminals that have a tendency to uh, make a living uh, committing bad acts are also ones that are more committed to it. And so when a retailer, either through their security, uh, internal security or external security attempt to intervene, and prevent that loss, um, you're seeing an escalation in violence, unfortunately. And and then our workplaces in general around the U.S. have been experiencing an increase in in violent encounters. And when you think about how a a workplace, whether you're a factory or whether you're a school system 
or or a retail store, you think about the things you can do to prevent crime and prevent violence where you uh, live and work. Um, it's it's a bit of a complicated process and you find that business owners are really good at what they do but can really use support when it comes to things like a risk assessment and threat management programs and uh, dealing with those potentially violent encounters um, and, and they'll range it all the way from uh, acts of violence that just happen to occur on the location to targeted acts of violence uh, that may have to do with people who work in that building uh, a domestic violence situation that's bled over into the workplace. So all of those things are contributing factors to what we see as an escalation in violent behavior uh, in public places. And uh, it is a difficult challenge. Uh, it's certainly not a law enforcement only challenge. Uh, law enforcement does a great job oftentimes have limited resources and the ability to, to intervene is primarily what a law enforcement agency does is respond to an event after it's happened. The ability to plan for uh, put in place mitigating strategies and plans uh, for the people who work there to be involved is something that business owners are left on their own to deal with and oftentimes turn to a professional agency to help them understand what it is they need to do and how they can plan for it. Some really good points, Eric. Um, is there any way to spot someone proactively who has intent to turn to violence? You know, I think there are a number of indicators when you look back at an event. And uh, as I've mentioned in the past, the Secret Service did a very famous study called the Bystander Study that looked at school shootings. And in that study, they proved that in almost every case, uh, someone knew that the person who ended acting ended up acting out violently was likely to or had indicated that they were going to act out violently. So I think in almost every case, there are indicators as you look backwards. It's, it's more difficult real time to uh, understand what those indications might be. Uh, and it's certainly easier in a workplace than it is in, say, a retail store where you, know, you literally have thousands of customers entering in the store every single day. and Everyone's got their own mission. Everyone's acting differently. Everyone, uh, some people have kids with them. Some people want to spend time in the store. Others want to be in and out. I think, let me answer the question in two distinct uh, channels. One, for work, places of work where you have uh, people that you work around all the time, as a manager, as a leader in the company or an HR or whether it could just be a peer of yours, when you see behavior that seems out of place, when somebody seems to be having something a little more than a bad day, uh, maybe a couple of bad days in, the, in a row, um, just having some empathy with other humans and asking them if they're okay will often lead to the 99% of the time, people are just having a bad day, but you may also identify those times where someone's life is really spiraling in their perception out of control. And at that point, they uh, could act out in a way that either is intended to hurt themselves or hurt others. So I, I think in the workplace, it's really important to not isolate ourselves. Human beings are not... Um, by nature, isolationists. We're, we uh, enjoy the company of other people. And I think we instinctively know when someone is just not feeling right, acting right. 
And so asking those questions and encouraging uh, empathy in the workplace is a, is a great strategy to help identify concerning behavior. And most of the time, it's get that person the help they need. Uh, in a retail setting where you have uh, multiple people entering the store for, as I mentioned, multiple different reasons, uh, some want one thing, some want a whole shopping cart full of stuff, um, it, it is more difficult to determine an individual's intent outside of the actions that you visibly can see. Uh, folks in the asset protection industry have made a living catching shoplifters by understanding what's normal behavior in a shopping environment and what's abnormal behavior in a shopping environment. Some indicators can be out of place clothing. Uh, it's hot outside, but you wear a really long trench coat. Uh, it is uh, unseasonably uh, warm for an area and you have multiple layers of, of clothing on. Those things just don't seem in, in place. And, and so it is a potential identifier and, and you pay more attention to those people. I think also when you look at shoppers in general in retail, they enter a store, they, they have a method by which they go through. Some shoppers read every single label before they put an item in their cart. Some just have a list and they wanna work through it as quickly as possible. And I'll raise my hand in that case, but, but shoppers generally pay attention to the items on the shelf they generally pay attention to how much they cost and they pay attention to what they're putting in their cart or carrying in their arms or in their shopping basket. Someone who's only paying attention to people around them or only paying attention to uh, who is not around them, that's behavior that's abnormal in a retail environment. And so that would be potentially an indicator of something that's a concern. Now, that may deal more with uh, property crime and shoplifters than it does with acts of violence. I think in a program that identifies potential acts of violence, uh, you really should start the observation as far away from the store as you can. Uh, someone entering the parking lot uh, with intent to commit a violent act is going to portray through their behavior uh, that intent as they approach the stores and they enter the store. And then unfortunately, as they begin to act out in that violent way, um, it is oftentimes associated with drug use, but not always. Uh, sometimes people have mental uh, challenges that cause their behavior to seem strange and distinctly out of place. Uh, and those people may or may not act out violently, but it is a, an awareness of your surroundings, an awareness of what's normal, and understanding when something's not normal, having a policy that enables your people who work for you in your environment to be able to intervene and uh, and speak to that person and, and try to assess whether or not there are intentions of violence. Those are keys to really preventing is a strong word. It is It's almost impossible, unfortunately, to prevent an act of violence, but it is possible to raise the level of awareness and uh, cause people to be more in tune with their surroundings and therefore in tune with people that may have uh, a bad intent as they enter your store or your place of business. As we all know, there was a previous mass shooting at a Walmart and they made some policy changes. Do you feel that those changes will be effective? You know, the 
challenge of preventing violence in a public place, again, whether that's a public building, the town square, or your retail store, um, is a daunting task. I think the presence of visible security is helpful. I do believe that criminals, for the most part, go through an assessment process themselves before they commit crimes. Um, they, in most cases, desire to not be caught. Um, and so visible deterrence, like a, a visible security guard, a visible, uh, a visible vehicle, security vehicle, camera systems, signing, um, those are indicators to a criminal that this is an establishment or a location where getting away with my crime is not uh, very likely. Um, in, in understanding the psychology of deviant behavior, it's important really to place yourself in the position of that deviant. They have desires and wants and means, the, the same as someone who doesn't have intent to commit a violent act. And, and they'll go through an assessment process. If the target looks easy, if it looks like they can complete whatever it is they wanna complete, whether that's take property from someone, take property from a retail store, commit an act of violence, if it looks like they can accomplish that, those are all steps uh, in their assessment process that make it more likely that they're going to commit that act. I think anytime a retailer can take proactive measures visible measures to send a clear message, it does two things. It, it lessens the opportunity from the perception of the criminal that I can commit this act of crime or violence and get away with it. It also helps to lower the, um, the concern from customers who just wanna shop, who just wanna go about their day. It helps them to feel safer uh, in that environment by seeing visible security measures. Okay, so while it's impossible to have a 100% success rate of preventing violence, but is there an optimal success rate or a place of confidence that can be achieved? Understanding the preparedness level for acts of crime or acts of violence on your place of business or within your property uh, really requires not just proactive measures of visible deterrence, it also requires the business owner to have a plan uh, that, and that plan includes preventing the action, it includes responding to an event, and it includes mitigating and recovering from that event. And so it, it is very much a layered response in security, just physical security, just deterrence in a workplace or in a retail store is valuable in and of itself. But having a plan and clearly communicating that plan with everyone who works there adds value and layers to that security measure. I, I think you're never gonna feel 100% prepared, but the people in, in your company, the people in your retail store can reach a level of confidence in their ability to understand what are the actions that I take if this event happens, if I see someone trying to steal a car in the parking lot, someone committing a burglary, a robbery, a purse napping, a mugging in the parking lot, what are the steps that I, I should take to help prevent or help in, uh, intervene in that situation 
but also to stay safe myself and to keep other people safe around me. What if I'm at work and I hear gunshots? What are the things that I should do? Um, this level of confidence that you can instill in your organization is a great value. Uh, it, it helps people feel more in tune with their personal activities and also creates the environment where the response is much more efficient. Um, obviously, you want to call 911, but where do I call 911 from? Teach people to get to a safe place. I heard a gunshot. I need to get to a safe place before I call 911. It gave me confidence. Um, I love to go back to the analogy of a fire drill. You look at an elementary school in anywhere America today, and they are the most efficient at evacuating their, their building and putting all of those little kids into a muster zone and accounting for every single one of them with their fire drill because they actually do it. They take time to practice it. Uh, corporations are, are much slower at evacuating a building because people feel like they've got one more email to send before they have to leave. Uh, but it, it's really a matter of practice. It's an institutionalization of safety and security measures inside of your retail store, inside of your business that instill confidence in your employees to help them understand how do I matter in this equation? How do I stay safe? How do I keep the people who are our customers here and the employees who are my family here? How do I keep them safe? Those are all important factors in allowing someone to effectively and quickly respond to an emerging or evolving situation. On the supplier side, what are the key differences in taking precautions for an office environment as opposed to a retail environment? In an office environment, you still have the, uh, the types of potential crimes that can bleed over from people's personal lives into your office environment. Uh, acts of domestic violence are all too common in our society today. And you never know the person in the cubicle next to you is dealing with a violent situation every night they go home. Um, you may see visible signs of that uh, at work and ignoring those really is at that person and your company's peril. I think again, the key to success for an organization, a company, an office environment is establishing really clear protocols with people, really opening up reporting channels, making it okay to have a conversation about something that concerns you, uh, making people feel safe to come to the leadership, the management team, and just say, I'm concerned about this, whether it's a person or an event or in a, uh, a situation that's occurring outside, it makes me uncomfortable and I'm safe in reporting that to you because the culture of the company has made that okay to have that conversation. I think it's also important for leadership, generally this falls to the HR part of the organization, but it's important for security and HR. Uh, and if you don't have those, the, the leadership team of that office environment to really understand what their plan is. You should have an evacuation plan. You should have a shelter in place plan. You should also have a workplace violence plan that includes understanding what the what the contributing factors that are indicators are and then the what do you do with those things if someone comes and reports to you that uh, the person sitting next to me is displaying concerning behavior uh, i'm not happy they're they're speaking loudly into the phone they're uh, seem to have more violent outbursts for what seems to be no reason 
Um, it, companies can choose to ignore those warning signs, but they really do so at their own peril. Having a plan in place that allows them to manage the risk, assess what the risks are, and then deal with them in, an, in a proactive way to engage the people that are that are there is a much more uh, likely to have a positive outcome for them. Okay, so we've talked about safety and security in a retail environment. We've talked about uh, security in an office environment, possibly uh, something that could help supplier teams. Now let's get a little bit more personal with it. What can people do in their personal lives to be safety conscious and more aware of their environment? There are a number of ways that you communicate that activity around me is acceptable and that is through the way I behave around it, that is through the boundaries that I personally establish around myself and also my level of awareness and acceptance of other people's behavior uh, as, as they go about living their lives. So awareness is critical, understanding what's around me. Too often in today's society, people go through life attached to their mobile phone, their eyes buried in their, in their mobile device, having two or three conversations with people that are nowhere in their vicinity and missing the potential bad event that's right around the corner, only feet away from them. Uh, you see it in big cities all the time, people walking down the street, not paying attention to the alley that's coming up. They don't look down the alley. They only look at their phone and then they're surprised when something jumps out of the alley and, and a bad thing happens to them. Increase your personal awareness, understand what's around you, take proactive measures. It is okay to cross the street if you don't like something that's in the street in front of you. It's okay to move away from people that are behaving in a way that makes you uncomfortable. It is also okay to tell people that I'm not happy with how you're acting. How you're acting is making me feel uncomfortable. I'm establishing the boundaries by which I'll accept behavior in my proximity. Those are skills that they're not taught as often today uh, because of our connected, digitally connected society. And uh, they're just not often learned by people. Uh, and, and, and so doing those things helps you become a, a live in a capsule that's safer. Thank you for joining us for today's edition of the Supplier Community Podcast. Supplier Community is your community for all things retail. We are creating fresh new content all the time. And the best way to stay on top of it is to check out our Supplier Community YouTube channel. We have hundreds of videos on the latest tips, tricks, and trends in the retail space. Be sure to watch and like our videos, subscribe to our channel, and smash that bell to receive updates when we upload content. And for information on our upcoming events, please visit our website, supplier.community. We connect you with the community, and we connect you with the experts. You've been listening to another episode of the Supplier Community Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. To get in touch with us, any of our experts, or to be featured as a supplier community expert, reach out to amanda at supplier.community.